Welcome to The Intersection. It's a podcast of Discovery Church. My name is Martin Spolstra, and I'll be your host today. I'm excited to interview people about their faith journey, and today we have Nicole McLeod here with me, and we're talking about mental health. I'm really excited about that intersection when about when we allow God in. And I'm interested in what happens when faith and life meet. Sometimes they merge, and sometimes they collide. And unfortunately, sometimes God needs to get our attention through some of those collisions. I want to say welcome to Nicole. Thanks for being here with me. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Uh, We would love for you to join us on our Sunday morning times as well at 1030 through our live stream on Facebook. You can also catch Discovery Church on YouTube on demand. And we also put up a Sunday service podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and a few other platforms. And just recently, I released a new course on our website called My Faith Journey. You can join me on this guided online process to grow in your faith, maybe learn some healthy spiritual practice and become a confident follower of Jesus. I designed this course for people who don't have a spiritual mentor, or maybe your schedule is kind of crazy because you do shift work or you've got kids at home and you can't commit to something long term. Or maybe your location makes it difficult for you to join Discovery Church. I designed this so that you can have a mentor, an online mentor. So if you're interested, just go to our website and you can find it listed under one of the tabs on our website. Or you can just type into your browser, courses.discoverychurch.ca. I hope that you'll find that helpful. Well, to to our interview today, uh, Nicole McLeod is the Director of Worship at Hope Fellowship Church. Uh, She's been in that position for four years now, Nicole? Uh, Three. I came in 2018. Three, 2018. Well, thanks for being with us. And uh, tell us uh, a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little bit about who you are, what's going on in your life. Yeah, so um, I'm Nicole McLeod. I've been married for just about a year now to Ben McLeod. we have our anniversary on Sunday, September 26th, so nice. we're, yeah. we're looking forward to that. Um, <laughs> this past year, we just got a puppy. Her name is Anna, and so she's about 15 weeks old now, and she is a bundle full of energy and uh, I bet. bringing lots of excitement to our lives <laughs> these days. <laughs> I, I so. think I heard you say that having a puppy is probably a lot more work than having a kid. Uh, I don't know about that, but... <laughs> It is a lot of work, but it's also it's also very rewarding. Yeah. So, yeah. What she's kind of, cute. What kind of puppy? Um, she's a lab. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and she's kind of golden in color. Nice. So, yeah, she's very friendly. Every person she meets is her new best friend. So, yeah, we went to the vet this morning, and she was very happy to see the vet. So. Oh, lovely. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> So you came to uh, Hope Fellowship uh, three years ago. Yes. Before that, tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, you're an ordained minister in the Christian Reformed Church, uh, but tell us a little bit about your your life and experiences to help us give us an understanding of of what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, so um, I, when I was nine months old, my parents moved to West Africa to be missionaries with Wycliffe Bible Translators. So I grew up in the Ivory Coast or Côte d'Ivoire. Uh, my brother was born there. We came back to Canada for furloughs and that sort of thing. And right. we, we moved back when I, five days before we before I turned 12, we moved back to Canada and then settled down in Sarnia. And so I spent kind of my high school years in Sarnia. And then I went to Kelvin College, now Kelvin University in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and studied music and worship. 
And after I graduated from there, I went to, I moved to California and uh, worked part-time at a church there as a worship director and also started Calvin Seminary's distance learning program, mm-hmm. um, studying for my MDiv to become a, a pastor. And so I was in California for kind of, for I think two years and then moved back home to Sarnia and finished out the um, distance learning program from Sarnia. And then after graduating from that, about a year later came here. Right. So, okay. yeah. So that's kind of some of the Some of the journey. Story. Yeah. 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 Well, and I asked uh, Nicole this question because uh, it, it, it plays a part in telling the story of a struggle with mental health. Um, I've had my own struggles in this area. And when she and I were talking a few days ago or last week, mm-hmm. um, it became really important to me to, to ask her to come and, and share this story because so many of us are dealing with mental health and trauma from 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe some things from our past have come up again. And um, it just won't let us go. And mm-hmm. my journey is uh, different than Nicole's, but we share a lot of common elements in both of our stories. So there you are in California. You're uh, there in your third year of university. Yeah, so I went there for the first time I went to the church in California was between my third and fourth year of university. I did an internship there. Right. And then when I graduated from university, they invited me to come back to work for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I moved to California after graduating from university and it was very exciting, kind of living the dream, right? Moving to California and I loved the work I was doing at the church. I really enjoyed the being part of the distance learning program. It was the, the first year for that program, so we got to be the guinea pigs. and <laughs> It was a, a great group of people I was working for. Um, I lived with a family from the church, and they were amazing. And it just felt like, um, yeah, I was living the dream in some ways. Um, right. So, but, but your mental health was not. No. So about kind of the first year was wonderful. Mm-hmm. And then it was kind of in halfway through year two of being there that things started to go downhill for me. Um, I didn't really understand exactly why at the time. Um, There were some different uh, tensions and and things that I was working through at at work um, that were adding pressures. But I mean, looking back, I can kind of see some more factors of what was going on. But but basically, I, I just started feeling more edgy I guess maybe that's how you describe it like how you you normally have emotional ups and downs and that sort of thing as you go through life right there's things that happen and and it's disappointing or it's sad or you read an email and you feel frustrated but usually you can move on from those emotions Um, you think oh that's annoying (laughs) and then you start thinking about something else yeah Um, but my mind started getting fixated on some of those things where I I couldn't shake the sad feelings or or the stress or the the emotions and I I started when I would make mistakes or or fail at things I started really beating myself up internally about those things and and starting to doubt and starting to think like where am I going from here Mm -hmm. you know I'm you know I, I love where I'm at but but where's it going yeah and and just kind of those doubt, um, doubt feelings and stuff. So, and I just became more and more, yeah, just struggling with those, those overwhelming emotions. Uh, I remember one time I, like I got an email, I just couldn't stop thinking about it. I felt so overwhelmed. I, I sat underneath my desk at work and there's wow. no one else in the office, but I just like, I couldn't move. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't respond. And, 
you know and that's when you start to recognize like hey I, I'm not okay. I'm not responding well to things. Uh, yeah. I'm not responding yeah. the way I would like to be responding to things. And, yeah, yeah. you know, and other people start to notice too and say, hey, hey are you, are you doing okay? You know? Mm-hmm. And, and I realized that I needed to, to get some help yeah. at that point because I, I didn't really understand why I was feeling all these things and why I was reacting the way I was reacting. I felt like I was overreacting to things and yeah. my moods were started going like swinging up and down and and it like almost like I would one moment feel totally fine and then suddenly just this wave of like sadness or anxi- like anxiety at first it was anxiety like this is wave of anxiety would come over me and I just would cry and be upset and then I'd be fine again yeah and I, I wouldn't understand why <laughs> I was so upset the minute before and so I'm like, something is wrong yeah this here. is not normal yeah. yeah yeah so that's kind of I reached out to um there were some churches in the area that offered discounted counseling. Mm-hmm. So I reached out to them to be able to, to access that and um, made an appointment with my doctor as well to see what's going on here. Yeah. Um, and so I started going to the counseling. I, I went to my doctor and they prescribed me some antidepressants. So I started taking those and also going to, um, they had a, through the healthcare system there, they had preventative Okay. Um, medicine kind of stuff so it was like a, a group counseling session that I could go to so I started doing that with through the the healthcare system there which was really all very helpful things mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah the the it still continued to be I wasn't really getting to the root of what was going on right you yeah. know I was trying to treat these the symptoms of, of the anxiety and then later anxiety and depression go together right yeah, so so yeah. your your brain with anxiety your brain's going into into kind of fight or flight response and panicking about things and then after that's done then you're just exhausted yeah and yeah. then it just like you just don't really have any enthusiasm you feel kind of hopeless and and mm-hmm. empty if, you know you think about things that usually make you happy or excited and you just don't feel that way you know yeah, yeah. and you, you feel very negative towards yourself and and the way other people you you see everything through it's like you're wearing glasses and you're seeing everything through this very distorted perspective well um, and i yeah. imagine for someone listening here they they're identifying pretty quickly with your description because i i can identify with your description mm-hmm. um the the conversation that you and I had before recording this was that that we together each have experienced uh, depression and anxiety mm-hmm. and mental health issues for different reasons, but there's some commonalities to them. In mm-hmm. my case, you know the and and we talked about sharing both of these stories today, yeah. not just interviewing, but mm-hmm. um, in my case, there was a two-year, almost three-year planning for a really big project at Discovery Church, multi-siting. We were growing, things were happening, uh, and then in a matter of four months, we lost 10 key leaders. Mm-hmm. We lost 30 people at our church, which was a significant portion, you know, almost 20% of our people, but 10 key leaders in that. And that dream, that vision that I believe that God was showing us just evaporated. Mm-hmm. And I had gone to, uh, to school for my doctoral work for this very purpose and now i was supposed to do a research project on multi-siting and it ended up being a research project on everyone's grief and everyone's anxiety around 
what are we going to do as a church? How can we live through this? And personally, I was just crushed in that, mm-hmm. um, emotionally and spiritually. And I found myself feeling the very same things, that, that there was moments where I got fixated on things mm-hmm. um, and, and realized that, okay, I was, I was taking this way too seriously. But for me, a lot of it was that what you described, that putting those glasses on and seeing things from that distorted perspective mm-hmm. of I'm emotional in this. Or well, oftentimes for me, it was I was trying to be as dead as possible in some of those high stress environments. Mm -hmm. And some people would comment and say, I can't believe that you're so calm in the midst of all this, when inside, that was far from the case, Mm -hmm. right? And I was just trying to push through. And to intensify all of that grief was all of this, I had asked for part of this project for the people at Discovery Church to share their stories about Discovery Church and about their hopes and dreams. And out of that sharing came a lot of grief and anxiety around what do we do as a church now? Mm-hmm. You know, who are we? What's going on? And for three years after that, uh, two years of research and then another year of, you know, waiting for the doctoral work to be finished, I kept reliving all of everyone else's grief as well mm-hmm. as my own. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, that, so there was this, you know, I'm, I'm not okay. I'm not doing well. And I went to my doctor and I said... I think I'm depressed. And he he brought up a questionnaire and we filled it out together and, and we came to the conclusion that, yeah, you're you're pretty depressed. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not just you imagining this. Mm-hmm. And I too prescribed some medication uh, and I had started to have conversations with uh, some people here at church, some trusted people that I could share some of that stuff with. Mm-hmm. And, or, I didn't go to a counselor. I had it in the past. I, thinking back, I probably should have. That would have been more helpful. Mm-hmm. and maybe got me through it a little quicker. So when you look at your story um, and, and how you were feeling at that moment, what were some of the things that were really helpful for you in processing that stuff that was going on? You, you mentioned this group counseling. Uh, mm-hmm. You mentioned taking advantage of some, How was that helpful for you? I think it was really helpful just in being able to, to recognize that there were tools and there were resources that, okay. that I... You know, because before you you kind of feel stuck in those emotions and why am I responding like this and why, what's wrong with me, mm-hmm. you know? And and when you can can have some of those resources and see a path forward, um, yeah, it took some time to see that path forward. I think first it went went down before it went up, you know, because <laughs> because not every time, you know, sometimes you do take that step and you reach out for someone to help and you think they're really going to help you and. It really doesn't help, you know, the first time. Yeah. And so there was some of that along the way too, where you try something, you're like, oh, maybe this will be the thing that will get me back again, you know? Yeah. And it's, well, and it, it doesn't make an immediate impact or you have a conversation you hope is going to be really fulfilling and it kind of falls flat or makes you feel more confused afterwards. So. Well, and that's yeah. the thing with our emotions too, right? They, they don't get sorted out in one conversation. No. Um, and because they are triggered by different things and they are become patterns and sometimes unhealthy patterns, we live in that emotional state for mm-hmm. much, much longer than we want to. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think I was really blessed by um, by the pastor at the church where I was working for. Um, he just listened to me with mm-hmm. such grace. And um, he said at one point, what would it feel like if you went home for a while? Mm. You know? And I thought about that and I thought, 
yeah, that would be really good. Yeah. And so it wasn't until I went back home to Canada that I felt like I was really able to start to sort through and gain perspective on what was going on, you know, because the, the church was incredibly understanding. They let me go home for, I think I had seven weeks off that summer. Oh, wow. That I just went back to Canada and they said, we don't want you to do anything except for rest. And they kept paying my salary and everything and just that's amazing. said, we just want to bless you and we want you to get better and we want you to rest. Mm-hmm. And so I went home and I didn't did nothing really like I, I couldn't I was so tired yeah. and exhausted and, and burnt out I remember like going to church on a Sunday morning even when I was home I didn't even have any responsibilities but I'd just be exhausted for the rest of the day yeah because I was so burnt out at that point um, but that was when it started when I started to to experience I think and learn what I needed to to learn through mm-hmm. that experience and and start to get better again yeah you started um, to put some of the pieces together as to yeah, why you were feeling that way exactly and i started to recognize that that part of it was tied to um leaving um, africa as a child when i five days before i turned 12 when we moved back to canada for good right and um yeah i still remember waking up and realizing that i would never see any of my friends again hmm. and that we weren't going back and that place that was home to me was never gonna go back there again. And if I did, I would be older and it would all be different. And so that was a tremendous loss um, at the time that I never fully processed when I was 12. Right. And so then being in California, you know, year one was really exciting. Then year two, I started to put down, started to put down some roots. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't sure how I felt about that because I, I I started to feel like my life in Canada was gone. I started having flashbacks to to leaving the Ivory Coast and um, starting to feel that same kind of grief with like feeling like my parents were gone and my brother was gone and and these people and places I cared about, like they had all died at once again. When of course they weren't dead, they were all over there in Canada, right? Right. I just needed to hop on a plane and go see them. Mm -hmm. And so I think being able to to go back home and to, to go to counseling then in in Canada and and my parents were amazing they they took such good care of me and just listened to me like mm-hmm. when I when I was feeling really anxious and overwhelmed my dad would just sit down and we watched I think we watched uh forget which uh Chuck I think because <laughs> <laughs> every night we would sit down and watch Chuck together you know and <laughs> and that would get my mind off things because I think part of the, the anxiety then that was growing was like I'm messing this up mm-hmm. um and I'm I, I had this perfect job that I loved and this, this perfect situation that I was really enjoying. And now I'm messing it all up by being all emotional and, you know, like, right, cause, yeah. cause sometimes I think with mental health, it, it feels like it's, you should have control over it, you know, like with a, <laughs> yeah. a physical, physical illness, you're like, okay, like I broke my arm. I, I really can't do that. With a mental illness, you think I should be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Like there's not like it doesn't look like there's something wrong with me. Why am I not able to do that? Yeah, yeah. And so, well, and people here at Discovery Church noticed it too with me, right? There was mm-hmm. a two-year period where, um, you know, leadership-wise, there was very little that I could provide. I mean, mm-hmm. we just kind of slid things into. Uh, you know, maintenance mode and I relied on our staff here uh, to continue to do some some very creative things in that that time uh, but for me personally there was this you know long space of just being unable to function in that way mm-hmm. and it's really not really been until and it's funny you know because 
COVID has been very, very difficult for so many people. But it was the time when I felt I was now coming out of all of that um, that darkness, mm-hmm. and I could really put my energies back into uh, what God has gifted me for. But um, yeah, it just doesn't happen overnight. Mm-hmm. And I, I understand that feeling of guilt and shame around. I should be able to do this. I, you know, this is just my emotions. I should be able to get up and mm-hmm. do what I've done before, or even do better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and it's that 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 drive for to to do it well and to do it with excellence, right? And you yeah. feel like you're letting that down and you're letting it slide and mm-hmm. to just and I think that's maybe something that God was trying to teach me through that. Right? Um when I was a kid, I I would read my Bible and the one verse I came across and underlined was be perfect therefore as your heavenly Father is perfect. <laughs> and that's a high bar to live up to. Yes. Um, yeah. And I think through that season God was was trying to teach me too you don't have to try so hard mm-hmm. you know like ministry isn't about you it's about me mm-hmm. and I, I came to this point I can remember the the night being at my parents like back home in Canada at my parents house laying on my my bed and, and the beautiful thing about going back to there was I found my old prayer journals and stuff from when I was in high school mm-hmm. and high school Nicole was ministering to 24 year old Nicole <laughs> you know oh, and so, just that's so just, neat just reminding me again, getting back to those roots and to, to who you are. Mm-hmm. And I remember laying on my bed, just feeling completely empty and coming to this place of surrender mm-hmm. where I recognized that I didn't know if I'd be able to go back to California. I didn't know what the future held. I didn't know, like, part of me is like, I can never be a pastor. I can't even handle a little stress, you know? <laughs> like, if this is what happens when there's a little stress, how could I ever be a pastor? Like... Mm-hmm. Why am I studying this degree, you know, <laughs> and yeah. just all that self-doubt, but just feeling like God has had his arms wrapped around me. Hmm. And in that moment, just all these lyrics of songs started coming, many of them uh, written by our, our worship director or our worship coordinator, who I worked really closely with, um, uh, Aaron from the church in California and he wrote he put a lot of psalms to music right and so some of those just came into my head and um, uh, one of them Psalm 42 I'm your refuge or Psalm 46 I'm your refuge and your strength I will help you when the darkness is near mm-hmm. and another one uh, and now be still and know that I am God be still and know and then Psalm 139 um, right yeah that, that just that you search me you know my heart and where could I go? Where can I flee? Where can I go where you won't lead? On the mm-hmm. wings of dawn or across the sea, I cannot know how you know me. Mm-hmm. And just all those words that, I, that I'd that i learned just pouring over me. And in that moment, God's saying, it's enough. You're enough. Just all you have to do is breathe. <laughs> you don't have to, you don't have to do anything for me. You don't have to be the best worship director or the most amazing preacher or build the church. I've got that, you know, like right now you just need to sleep (laughs) and, and trust, you know, Eugene Peterson talks about how Sabbath is like you, you start, you, you sleep, you have this rhythm of rest and you, Mm -hmm. you wake up in the morning to join the work that God's already begun. Right. And so I think, you know, I try so hard to cling to control over my future and what's going to happen next and what's the five-year plan, God. And, right, yeah. 
And, and when that all <laughs> falls apart, you come with open hands and God's like, I got you, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to be good. And, and so, and I think maybe that's something I've like from that place, I keep having to go back to that because we have to learn in circles sometimes, yeah, yeah. not in a line, but you know, I, from that point, I, there is ups and downs still, but that was maybe the, the turning point for me of, of that place of surrender. Mm-hmm. And then. I just had to let go and, and embrace my limitations and that yeah. I could do less and that was okay for that season. Mm-hmm. And then slowly different opportunities came back as my energy returned. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I went back to California for a little while that fall and then realized I need to be back in Canada. And so I was able to work for the church online for probably six months, oh. continuing to kind of transition out of my role right. at reduced hours. And that was a beautiful time of transition and then when that kind of transition then there was another church in the area who needed some help with some worship consulting right so you know mm-hmm. it just kind of each kind of increasingly different roles as i was able to handle them god provided mm-hmm. you know so yeah <laughs> i don't know if you've experienced something similar too and well and, and god's provision I, <laughs> through i'm this. just listening to your story and i'm thinking i wish that i had heard you say that to me four years ago hmm. um because it's exactly what I was wrestling with too, right? My sense of significance, my mm-hmm. uh, personal, um, you know, desires and plans and goals, and I had had these dreams, and it just seemed like it all fell apart. And um, I started to question, you know, well, who are you then? Mm-hmm. Are you good enough? Uh, do you measure up? Um, and I kept going back to. You know, in the past, I you know I've done a, a fair bit of growing up over my life, mm-hmm. uh, and dealing with some of those those childhood uh, thought patterns. And uh, I remember thinking to myself, I remembered when that when when our kids were little, and we would take them to the swimming pool, and they would stand on the edge of the pool, and I was maybe waist deep in water, and I would say jump, and they were very reluctant to jump because they'd never had an experience of me catching them before. And so it took a lot of convincing for them to jump. And the second time around, they were just as nervous, but not quite. And by the third or fourth time, they started to feel like they could trust me if they, they jumped in. And I remember thinking to myself, Martin, you've experienced before where you've trusted God and you'd submitted in this journey of, you don't have to be in charge of everything. You don't have to be the one responsible for everything, nor are you insignificant if it doesn't work out. Mm -hmm. You are still significant in God's eyes. And when you brought up Psalm 139, right, you know, God knew me before I was even born. Mm -hmm. You know, he he knew the beautiful person that I would become and the flawed person that I would become. And he still loved me anyway. Mm -hmm. And that uh, image of my kids jumping into my arms kept coming back to me uh, over those years, especially when I was feeling it again four years ago. Mm-hmm. And part of me was saying, Martin, you've done this before. You, you've taken that leap and, and trusted in God. And I think that that process of having done that in the past allowed me to do that on a fairly regular basis because it seemed like I kept having to do it over and over mm-hmm. again, kind of like you're saying, it's, it's a you circle, right? in a circle. <laughs> you're running in a circle. Okay, I got to do this again. And... Uh, and to be honest, I think that this, this is part of, of life is recognizing that, you know, as sinful as we are uh, and broken as we are, 
that we need to keep going back to those moments where we take a leap and, and jump into the arms of Jesus again. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, kind of one of the songs, I have this CD and one of the songs on the CD was a song by, by Amy Grant that I listened to in the car when I was in California going through this. And the, the first time I heard that song, it just spoke to my heart. It was called Don't Try So Hard. <laughs> the chorus is Don't Try So Hard. God gives you grace and you can't earn it. Stop thinking you're not worth it. Because you are. He gave you his love. Um, he gave you his son. You're lovely even with your scars. Don't try mm. so hard. Yeah. And so like those words and just encouragement, right? That, yeah, that we yeah. don't need to we don't need to do it all. Um, For me, Lauren Daigle's song, uh, You Say mm-hmm. is and I and I was so moved by that song, I turned it into a, a, a three part sermon series, right? On mm-hmm. who does God say that you are? And yeah, just preaching to the choir, so to speak, mm-hmm. right? You know, you 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 understand that this dynamic of preaching is that oftentimes when you're preaching to the congregation, you're preaching to yourself at the same yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. And it was it was a a way for me to remember and uh, reaffirm once again that I am loved, I am cared for, I am accepted for who I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's amazing how powerful that sense of of identity is in our mental health mm-hmm. we can we can twist our perspective of ourselves into such amazing knots <laughs> and distort who we truly are uh, and it takes it takes recognizing the the fact that we are loved and unconditionally loved that we are children of God that he loves us uh, mm-hmm. to un, undo some of that damage yeah, I think especially recently, a verse that's really been speaking to me is uh, um, the one where, where Paul writes about his thorn in his flesh and how he wishes that God would take it away from him. But mm-hmm. then God says, my, my grace is made perfect, you know, in weakness. Yeah. And so he says, I'll boast all the more in, in my weaknesses. And um, mm-hmm. I heard someone speaking about that verse at the beginning of 2020, and I didn't realize how how important that that verse would be to me um kind of all through this year this pandemic some of that stuff from the past kind of as you learn in circles right comes back up again and yeah and so but that verse that reminder that god you know like when things are changing and and you wonder are we making the right decision how do we do it what do we do and god says i've got it you know i've got your church i'm in control of this and (laughs) I know what the future, you don't know what's going to happen, but I do. And do you yeah, trust me that, yeah. that it might not look the way you want it to look, but it's, but I can work through it Yeah, and I can work through your weaknesses and, um, yeah. Well, and, and just as, as two pastors sitting at a table talking about our mental health, um, being able to be honest and open about our struggles is very, very, very rare. Mm-hmm. Uh, and probably more effective than any sermon that we'll ever preach for someone who's listening and needs to some reassurance about okay there's hope mm-hmm. well you asked about like earlier about you know who are some of the people who re- or some of the things that that really helped and for me it was really helpful to hear stories from others who were struggling from mental health because i found that as i started to to share with a few people what i was going through because especially at first i you know i tried very hard to keep it hidden yeah. you know you'd go up on sunday morning and we have to and put just, our face on yeah, yeah yeah and then afterwards you know go back to the office and just cry because mm-hmm. you're done yeah um 
But as I started to talk to people, other people shared their stories with me too. It's not the end of the story to get that diagnosis that I have depression and anxiety, you know, that I can still lead a good life. Yeah, that's not the label yeah. of who you are. Right? Yeah, it's just part. Yeah. Yeah, and we all have those those struggles. And another one, uh, um, Mike Wagon Man has shared before some talks on faith and mental health. And so I went to, he did an evening talk and shared about that and just the, the way he presented it and then mm-hmm. helped me really understand how, you know, like, if I'm feeling depressed or anxious, does that mean I'm not trusting God? Am I a bad Christian? And and just kind of unpacking some of those stigmas around that. He mm-hmm. he did a really excellent job, and that that really helped me too in in processing yeah. what had happened and and removing some of that shame around it. You know that like I had failed by because I experienced that I, I wasn't <laughs> trusting God. So yeah, yeah. yeah. that's good. Yeah, I, I shared with Nicole earlier that I had read an article in our denominational magazine called The Banner, and the article is entitled Mental Health Trauma and 2020. And the author, uh, Ariel Wellens, who's a licensed clinical mental health counselor in uh, North Carolina, uh, wrote this wonderful article, and I, I've just been really blessed by reading it again. And, and one of the things she said in there, she says that, Counselors often learn that emotional healing from trauma requires several crucial elements. The presence of a safe person who offers consistent and unconditional care. And you and I both have experiences of, of those kinds of relationships in, in those dark spaces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Secondly, she says, the openness to directly face and understand the reality of what's happened. And for some of you who are experiencing trauma, this may be at the hands of someone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may not be wrestling with your internal trauma or experiences or childhood memories, but rather someone has done something to you. And recognizing that there is brokenness, not only in us, but in others. It doesn't mean that we approve or that we accept the fact that we've been hurt by others, but it does get us to the point where we recognize we're all sinful in need of saving. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there may be some things in our own selves that we have to bring over to God in that. And then thirdly, she says that we need insight into our true significance and identity in Christ. Because true spiritual healing, which is part of emotional healing, is coming to terms with the fact that I'm loved unconditionally, that there is someone in the world who can love me unconditionally, and that there is someone in the world who is not going to do things to harm me, mm-hmm. and that I can feel safe outside of the trauma and in the years after the trauma, mm-hmm. um, and feel like I can trust someone again. Uh, mm-hmm. Those are those are some crucial things that she recommends, and uh, she says that spiritual healing is feeling the fruits of the spirit again. Galatians 5, 22, 23 talks about the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And getting rid of bitterness and malice and slander and rage. So spiritual healing can happen if we are willing to go through that process. Mm-hmm. Um, so Nicole, when you look back on, on your journey, where did you see God at work in that for you? I think I, I saw God at work, I think, in, in, sh- in protecting me, first of all, right? And, and bringing people into my life who supported me and encouraged me through that um, in his provision of community. And also, I think, in just in, in teaching me and humbling me, 
Um, when Paul talks about his thorn in his flesh, it, it humbles him to keep him from being proud. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And so I think seeing, yeah, seeing God just teaching me to trust him mm-hmm. um, and to, to kind of to recognize that, that he's in control. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That experience for me um, will forever shape who I am now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are some things about my personality and about my emotional health that are um, that I'm aware of now that I wasn't before. Mm-hmm. Um, what what kind of things are are, are like that for you? Um, I think I am getting much better at boundaries and um, things like I, I've discovered. Like a practice of Sabbath is essential, right? For for my mental and spiritual health to have time to rest because I have that tendency to want to achieve and want to work and earn that I have to discipline myself to rest as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And so things like that and just learning to, to recognize the signs sooner than I'm getting close to the, I I think of it sometimes as like, there's like this like chasm that you can fall into. And so when you start to feel the warning signs to notice that and, and to then kick it into gear to make sure that there's that support system in place and that there's, yeah, things that you know, okay, I need to take yeah, a weekend yeah. off or I need to do this or that to, to get me back away from that edge or to recenter or it's time for a spiritual retreat yeah. or I really need to, to be paying attention to how often I'm, like how much I'm sleeping or what if I'm exercising, you know, that all those things are all connected. So. Yeah body mind and spirit right yeah yeah for me too uh, just this past weekend i was supposed to go away for three days for uh, a working retreat for some things that i'm doing with our denomination and mm-hmm. i just had to put it all on the i had to cancel i had to walk away from it because leading up to last weekend i was very emotional mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm i got angry at um, you know some people in my life who i've since apologized to because i it was unusual Mm-hmm. for me and it was like that red light just started mm-hmm. blinking and said okay you're you're at the edge mm-hmm. uh, you, you need to do something in order to, to back away from that and one of the things that that I chose to do was to step away from that time of retreat which really wouldn't have been retreat it would have been work mm-hmm. and it would have taken my day off uh, yeah. as part of it and um, you know it would have been fun and I would have hopefully enjoyed it but uh, I just knew that I had to step away mm-hmm. yeah yeah, that's helpful because I think we learn a little bit more about ourselves mm-hmm. if we have a chance to reflect and talk it through with some people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you, Nicole, for your conversation with me today. Yeah, thank you so much, and thanks for sharing your own story as well with us. Well, we have a lot of common elements. Our our journey to that place is different, and imagine those of you listening, you can identify that your journey is different. But there may have been some common elements that both Nicole and I shared that you can identify with. We both want you to know that there is there is help available for you if you're listening. Uh, Nicole, certainly at, at Hope Fellowship Church, uh, if you go to their website, you can connect with them. And certainly at Discovery Church, you can connect with us and we'd be happy to provide some pastoral care, uh, maybe some wisdom and advice on how to move forward or move through what you're going through, or even just to listen, mm-hmm. to try and be that non-anxious, uh, unconditional, love kind of presence in your life for what you need as best as we can Um, thanks for being with us uh, and uh, the intersection podcast is about uh, 
trying to talk with people about where faith and life meet, merge, and sometimes collide. I appreciate, Nicole, you sharing your story. Don't forget to join us on Sunday morning on our Facebook live stream, where you can find us on YouTube, and share this podcast. Uh, we would love for you to be able to share this with a person that you think would, would, would benefit from hearing it. Thanks, Nicole. Thanks for being with me. Yeah, thank you so much, Martin. All right, everyone. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.